just needs to be uh, by my mouth. Apparently. And little people, you are dismissed to head to Children's Chapel. Sorry. So we seem to have a problem with this mic usually, unless Pastor Todd's wearing it. So, all right, I just want to start off with a, a word of prayer. So let's go to our Savior with every uh, head bowed and every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, you've put something inside me that I want to get out today. I'm so blessed to have you in my life, and I love the relationship that we share. These people come together in your name to glorify the things that, they've done, that you've done in their life. I'm so thankful to be a part of New Hope. I'm so thankful to be a part of this community. I love you with all my heart, and I, I want you to relay this message to your people the way you intend it to be heard. Use me as your vessel. I will go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to give thanks to Pastor Todd and Becky. How many people, I don't know how many people in here have been to another church, but our pastor is individualistic. He knows almost all of you by name, if not all of you by name, and he knows exactly what we talked about. He loves you all with all of his heart, and I just want to give Todd a round of applause because he is an amazing person, amazing individual, and it wouldn't be anything like that if he didn't walk in the likeness of Christ. Not every church is like that. You're a part of something special here, and I just want you to know that. Their family, his family, builds, pours into him, and they do an amazing job of creating this environment that we all get to be a part of. So praise the Lord. I love it. All right. So I'm going to open up today, if you want to turn your Bibles to Romans 3.16. All right. Let me know if you're there. If you're not there, say, I need a minute. Good? We all good? All right. Romans 3.16 says, Ruin and misery mark their ways. And now I have something to show you on these television screens. Hmm. So, this is what sin looks like. How many people in this building today have had personal encounters with this, with this guy? I just want to see this man on the screen. Your hands are up for a reason. I, uh, I want you to know that something you already know is that I'm sorry for the way that this man has affected your life. And I'm asking you to forgive me if there's something that I've done that you still hold inside of you. Because I love you. And it's not the person I am today. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I, I believe every word of this book with all of my heart. And I love each and every one of you. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I want to thank you all, too, for the place that you hold in my life. Um, now I'm going to get into my testimony. So, get that bum off the screen, please. Um, <laughs> Man, that's hard. To, and what you guys, know, well, you do know is there's a TV right there, so I get to stare him in the face and say, Jesus has delivered me from a place. I've come here to glorify the name of the Lord in my life and say that the devil has no place in my life or my family's life or any of you people's lives because he's defeated. Our God has defeated the grave. So I'm going to start off with, a, with just a, you know, I'm an addict. I'm a recovered addict. I was a heroin addict. Not a lot of you know that, but most, uh, most of you do. And... um I have the same stories as most addicts, so I don't want to just go through all the, all the same things that we can all talk about, you know, all the people that we've, we've hurt and 
I want to I want to share a story where addiction led me in my life because I was, in my opinion, one of the worst of the worst. I would use every single day of my life so that I could get away from the person that I was. I didn't want to feel anything. I just wanted to drown out every. I just wanted to literally exist. I was literally using drugs so I could exist through the day. I didn't want to have any type of human interaction at all. On this road, you know, in Mansfield, Ohio, I'm going to sh- share this story with you. I. Uh, and the woman that I'm going to tell you about is going to remain nameless because I have respect for her family. And um, <clears throat> I lived in Mansfield with my dad. And every day I would use drugs before I even used the restroom. So I'd wake up and use, most people use the restroom. Well, the first thing I would do is use heroin. And it was because I needed it to feel normal. I had no sense of life at all inside of me, as you can see from that, that picture up on the screen. Um, One day, just a regular old day for me, I was using, I was out running around with my friends, friends, and uh, me and this woman went and we went and got some heroin. We went back to her apartment. We sat down on, on, on a stoop together. I left the room. Most people inject heroin. I did not. I, I snorted it. I was not a fan of needles at all. And, uh, they bugged me. So I went out of the room did half of what we got, and came back into the room. She looked at me, she said a couple words, she stood up, she seized, and she fell. I slid slid under her, caught her head, so it wouldn't hit the concrete, because where we were was in the concrete. And I held her there while she took her last breath. I don't want anybody to have to go that far in life for a funeral to make you feel alive. There's so much power in what Christ can do for you. Do not take life for granted. Every single breath that you have, every single day that you have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life, do it. We're Christians. The Lord fills us with His love. We have grace and we have mercy. We don't have to be where we were. And every day that we live in the past, there's one more day that Christ can't empower us to do what we need to do for the future. Um, Negative feelings. So the reason why I use so much is because I didn't like the way I feel felt. So why is it that I can feel anger, loneliness, bitterness? I'm tired. I f- why is it that the self, it's always myself. It was myself defeating, defeating my, I was defeating myself. I be- talked myself into how horrible of a person I was. Why didn't I let the, the, the people around me that did pour into my life affect my life in a positive way so that I could move forward? It's always something that we talk ourselves out of. So I say, just start talking yourself into it. Do not value the opinions of other people because man's not the standard God is. You know, the world will call you a liar. The world will call you a cheater. The world will say you're a bad dad. The world will say you're a bad mom. The world will say you're just a drug addict. You'll never make it. But what does God say about you? God calls you his friend. God died on a cross. He shed his blood so that we could all have life and live it abundantly. Take refuge in the Lord. If you are feeling some type of way, if if you're hearing those thoughts in your head that you're not good enough, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too big, you're too small, you're too tan, you're too pale. Um, <laughs> it's, the devil has this amazing way of making, him, making you believe that his thoughts are your own. And they're loud. Why are they loud? Why are the thoughts of the devil loud? Why are these attacks on our, ourselves so, so upfront and personal? And then, and then the word of God is a whisper. Why, why, is it, why is it like that? It's because the devil is far away from you and God's right next to you. He's close by. He has to shout because the Lord's not going to let him get close enough to kill you. 
And the entire time I was using, I, I, like I just told you, I used the same amount of drugs that that woman used, and she dropped dead in my arms. Why am I still here? God had a plan for me. He was holding me like this the whole time through. The whole time through. That led me up to that picture. And that picture, I got booked in Summit County Jail. So here's another part of my story. Um, my addiction led me to prison. For all of you that don't know, I was in prison for two years. I went down to Belmont Saint Cl- in St. Clairsville, Ohio, down in, uh, in Belmont, Belmont County. I uh, spent a year and a half there, and then I got out and I went to TMRC. I have a prison story to share with you now. When I went to prison, my ex-wife was pregnant with Elaine. For all of you that know who Elaine is. I'm nervous, but I'm not as nervous as I thought I would be, so. (laughs) My hand's a little shaky when I grab the cup, and I don't want to grab it because you'll all see my hand shaking, but hey. (laughs) It's my first time talking in front of a group of people, and look at this. Wow. So you know I'm catching a couple eyeballs here and there, but I'm trying to look over you. Um, (laughs) But I love you all. And seriously, if there was anybody in here that ever needed to talk to somebody that they want to listen, I'm here for it. I've been through a lot, and I'm willing to take on whatever you need to get out of your system because I can take it in and let it out, and I love you, and I want you to move forward in your life and not let the past hinder anything that your future holds for you. So I go into prison. You've seen the mugshot. I mean, how, I don't even know if I looked angry in that. I was just, I looked like a zombie. I had used drugs to the point where my eyes were black. I still have this line sometimes when I get tired, and it reminds me of that. And I just, you know, that's what the devil will do. He, he'll, he'll poke you in the side. This is, oh, remember this? Oh. And, and how about this? I want to say one more thing real quick before I get into that. How do you know when you're about to have a moment? Because you start getting attacked. This whole week I've been attacked. I was on my way here, and I, the, my Bible dropped off of this folder. And then I walk into a gas station, and guess what song's playing? Running with the devil. I'm like, yeah, not going to happen. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It happens. When you're about to have a moment in your life, Satan's coming at you because he doesn't want any of it to happen. He hates your guts. There's an adversary. It's a battle. It's in your mind. The battle is for your soul. So it's what you feed. If you feed your sinful nature or you feed your uh, measure of faith, that's what you're going to get. Which one? Which one are you going to get? It's your choice. You have to give it away. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you have to give away the salvation that he has let you receive. So don't give it away. It's a choice. Choose. So I was in prison and I was angry. And I'm sitting around for about two weeks, and I'm not, anybody that knows me, I'm not a very, I don't like to post up. I don't like to sit around. I'm moving. So I was really angry. I was resentful under a lot of people, you know, plus I had that tough guy facade. I'm bad, and I'm going to show it. Pride of life. I'm a man. So I, uh, <laughs> in a prison, mind you, devil's playground where all the big guys are, so, and I'm this big. And at the time, and at the time, 142, <sighs> wow. So anyway, I go into this place, and I watch for a while, because I've always been that type of person, always. Well, yeah, I still am. I watch my surroundings. And uh, I noticed this guy was getting a lot of traffic into his area, so I went over there, and I, I noticed that he was selling, he was getting tobacco thrown over the fence. And hopefully none of you know him. I shouldn't be telling. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, I really don't care because the Lord's got my back. And uh, and anyway, so I went up to him and I said, and not many people 
would do this. But I went right up to him. I said, I see that it's obvious that you're selling tobacco. I want a piece of this. So he literally looked at me and said, wow, I've never had anybody come up to me like that. And he gave, he gave me the option to start catching these packages that come over a prison wall. Has to, has to be let in, by the way. Does that make any sense? There's these packages flying over the wall. All these COs just... I wonder if the prison system's making money off the inmates. Um, so, anyway. All this time, Emily is pregnant with Elaine. And I know this is coming about. Really, I didn't... I'll just be honest. I didn't care. I mean, I didn't care about anything at that point. It was all about me, 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 me. I was selfish. So... She's pregnant with Elaine. And I know, I've been talking to my mom. My mom is the only person. There she is. Only person that, uh, there's a lot of people here. Only person that I talk to on a regular basis in prison. And so, this is funny how we live our lives. If you live your life selfishly, don't expect anybody to tell you anything. Don't expect anybody to be involved in your life if you're not involved in theirs. And even though I talked to my mom, there was, there was no substance to what we talked about. And anyway, she was pregnant, and I knew that in a few weeks she would be born. This whole time I'm selling tobacco and, you know, doing the old thing, involving criminal activity. It's ridiculous. And uh, so I call her because it was like two weeks later. I'm like, wow, she said that she was in labor. She's going to go in in a few days, and no one said anything to me. So I called her one day, and I said, Mom, was Elaine born? And she said, oh, yeah, two weeks ago, my daughter. I was on a prison phone sitting down, and I felt a wave of tingles from my feet all the way up to my head. And I said, Mom, i got to go. I hung up the phone, walked over to my rack, and I laid down for about 20 hours probably. And uh, when I got up the next day, I went to this guy that I was doing this for. And I looked him dead in the eyes, and I said, oh, first off, I took him into the bathroom. So if you don't know, in the prison you have to fight in the bathroom because there's no cameras. And I figured something was about to go down, so I just got in there and we'll get it over with. And uh, <laughs> so I took him in and I said, hey, I need to talk to you. And he's like, where? I was like, in the bathroom. He goes. And so we go in and we sit down on the bench and I look at him in the eyes and I say, I can't live like this anymore. And he's like, what? I was like, I can't, I can't sell this stuff for you. I have to change my life. My, I called my mother yesterday and my daughter was born two weeks ago. And the way that I have been living my life made it seemed unnecessary for my family to tell him that my own daughter was born. He looked at me for a second, and I said, I know what I'm asking for. So we'll just get it over with. Whatever we have to do, here's your money. Here's the rest of the stuff I have. I'm out. Anybody that's been involved with that kind of stuff knows you don't do that, especially in prison. That could have been really messy. So he looked at me, and he said, no one's ever had that type of courage to look me in the eyes and tell me that. And so he shook my hand. I went to my rack. And I have to be honest, I actually thought that maybe it was over with for a second. <laughs> maybe I skipped the code for a second. Maybe I got a glitch. But uh, I walked into the bathroom the next morning, went to use the restroom, and boom! I got blindsided by about ten guys. And I got jumped in a bathroom and walked out with like a thinky tiny bit of bloody, a bloody nose. That was it. So the Lord had me there. I didn't even recognize at that point that, that I had took a step of faith and that God was working in my life already because he'd been waiting. I always picture him in a recliner sitting back with some popcorn. 
like, like sitting there watching the movie of Ryan going, man, this dude is taking forever. When are you going to come to me? And, uh, and then I take that step, and he's like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. And he's like, and then the next day, so I get sent down to the compound. So I was in the camp, so I was with about 500 inmates. I got sent to the worst part because they came in while all that was going on. And so I go down to where there's 2,500 inmates. And uh, I go up to eight house, and I go to the CEO's desk, and I say, hey, where's my rack? <clears throat> and I walk over to my rack. It says B-115. It's the top rack. And they, in prison, they have these outlets on the wall. They're, like, empty because they don't use them anymore. So they're gutted outlets. They're just metal frames. And there was a picture of Jesus about this close to my head that said, I trust you, Lord. Now, prior to this, in 2016, I was in rehab. So I've been having God moments all, all along this, this path where I've been choosing to do my own thing. And in rehab, my Aunt Beth and my Uncle Ronnie, praise the Lord, give them a round of applause. They came up there to get me. When I was a wreck, I had the door barricaded in my dad's apartment. And I didn't even know they, they were there. They called the cops, kicked in the door. I was out beside myself. I, had, I barricaded the door, just wanted to be alone. Let me do my drugs, leave me alone. In my own dad's house where he left, and he went to a hotel because he loved me so much he couldn't tell me to go. And there's something I need to say to the people in here that have served me, even when I hurt you, and you still decided to serve me. That is a great example of who Jesus Christ is, and you've helped me along the way. Anything that you've taught me in the past, I've kept to this point in my life, and I'm using it now, and I'm going to glorify the name of the Lord every day, every step I take to make sure that somebody gets it. So I was in rehab, and they told me I wasn't going to get to go. I was in detox, and they told me I wasn't going to be able to go to rehab. <laughs> Put me back on the street. Three days later, what's the first thing I'm going to do? Exactly what I know. So anyway, I was in the shower, and you preached on this one time. You looked at me, and you said, you can meet God. And he's talking to all these places, and he looks over at me and goes, in the shower. <laughs> but anyway, I was in the shower, and I was praying. I just said to God, I said, and I used a very vulgar word, the worst one, and I said that, and I said, you can have it back. That's what I said. And I laid in bed that night expecting to get booted out the next morning, and they came, to my, they came over. Ryan, Ryan, Noah called. Who called? Noah called? Okay. Noah called, you're going to rehab. So the first time I had that God experience was in rehab, and I knew that God was working in my life. I didn't ever read a Bible. Nothing ever happened about that, but it did when in prison. I just wanted to mention that I had that. So God has been working in my life tremendously, and I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that he, he shows up in my life in a way that I can see it when I need to see it the most. Because if he didn't, who knows where I'd be right now. So I want to go into my, uh, my, second, my second verse. Because I believe that after I took that step of faith with Elaine, and I told the guy I wasn't going to live like this anymore, I believe at that point when I saw the picture of Jesus that I was, I was free. I was forgiven. I didn't ask for it, but I know that he saw in my heart that I was ready to change. For the first time in my life, I had a changed mind. A changed mind is one of the most powerful things that you can have. And I want to talk about forgiveness and freedom. So I was forgiven right then and there. Forgiveness is a gift from God. He gives it to you. It's freely given to you. There's nothing else you can do to receive the forgiveness of God except for believing it. But then there's freedom. So I woke up the next morning. I felt the same way that I've always felt. And I was dealing with the same temptations that I always dealt with. And I was still not 
a very good person. I just received the, uh, the lack of penalty from sin. I wasn't going to go to hell because I believed in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and that God raised him from the dead. But I wasn't free. Freedom takes one step at a time. I have to move and move and move and move on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I have to continue to live a life like Christ. I have to continue to desire to have a relationship with him. I talk all day long in my head to Jesus. I just have a literal conversation almost all day long. People start talking to me. It's like I'm interjecting conversation with the Lord, and now I'm talking to you. And I just I love it because it builds me up. It fills my spirit. And I just I can't get enough of it. So I want to read this. It says, Once you've received grace, you'll never be more loved than you are right now. You will never be more forgiven than you are right now. But there's a difference between forgiveness and freedom. Forgiveness is immediate. It's a gift from God, but freedom happens little by little. One step at a time, one good decision at a time. And before you know it, does anybody know about the story of Peter in the prison? Angel came to him, said, stand up. Peter had chains on, and because he stood up, because he was obedient to the Lord, the chains broke and fell off, and he was free. It's about the obedience. It's about desiring to move forward in your life. Don't stay still. Change. Step out. Come on. It's, it's simple. It's, it's, it's so simple, but it's so hard because we all want to be comfortable. But I have, been, I have learned to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations because my faith has a chance to grow. And I love that so much. I'm so thankful for that. All right. I wrote these on, uh, I don't know, what is this? An index card. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> pointing at me. So, all right, let's see here. <laughs> it's all right, I call sun, sunsets, sunrises all the time, and Caitlin goes nuts. It's a sun, it's a sunset. See, I was just going to do it just now. The other thing is I'm caught now, I don't know why. Orbit gum, never buying it again. So, <laughs> never orbit. Okay. There's that. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you. Get, someone's going to come out with a super soaker next. <laughs> Not Victoria. Not Victoria. <laughs> um, all right. So, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you, to be tempted above that you are able, ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And so when I first got delivered in prison and I saw that picture, I started to read the Bible. And when I opened up this book, my life changed. I started reading the words of Jesus Christ. This is the anchor of my soul. If I didn't have it, I wouldn't be the man I am today. And I'm going to continue reading it and continue praising the Lord in my life and continue walking the way I am because this book has changed. Are you going to be okay? Actually, just act like you're hiding behind us. <laughs> I, can you hear me when I'm talking to this? <laughs> no, but seriously. Oh, that's not too bad. Look at that. Okay. All right, so uh, when I decided to change my life, that was the verse. That was my life verse. I just continued to say that verse anytime a temptation was coming because I was sitting in the rack in prison I'd been using drugs in prison I'd been smoking cigarettes in prison I'd been doing all this stuff and I still had the 
the desire in me to do those things. It doesn't go away the next day. You don't just get saved and it goes away. You have to do the work. You have to put in the work for it to change. And I did. But it was very difficult. It was one step at a time. I had to sit on my rack and read the Bible and, and have to watch everything that you put into your heart and soul. And you have to put in the right things. You have to read the right things. You have to listen to the right things. You have to hang around the right people. And one day this guy comes up. And my mom, I talked to my mom on the phone. She said, I'm praying that not all bad people, they're not all bad people in prison. And this guy named Roger came up and said, somebody's answering your prayers. And I was going to go, what? What are you doing? What? Because if you're in prison, you don't talk to anybody outside of who you know. And I didn't know anybody because I was up at the camp so long. So this guy literally walks over and said, someone's answering your prayers. Next day, I was moved over to the faith-based dorm in prison. And this guy mentored me in the word of Christ. And I ended up being a, uh, a member of the board and the church in Belmont crazy and uh <laughs> i met this guy named greg arango which was he's awesome and if he if he could have made it here today i know he would have he was 320 pounds and ate ramen noodles for breakfast lunch and dinner and <laughs> he was just massive and he taught me how to work out in the prison because it's different you don't work out the same way you do in prison that you do out here because you don't have the equipment you need so anyway the right people were put in my path and i ended up building my life on a foundation of Christ, and it took one step at a time. Before I knew it, people were coming up to me, and they were saying, you know, there's something different about you. Why are you smiling all the time in prison? Well, because I'm happy. How many people here know that you can be in prison without bars? (laughs) Amen. I know a lot of people that are in prison by a lot of things that don't have bars. I was free in prison. You better believe that. Prison freed me. It had to happen. I praise the Lord for it. I, I thank him almost daily for putting me in the lifestyle I needed to be in because I was a hard knock. You weren't going to teach me anyway else, anyway else. God was not. God had to do. let me go through the things I went through so that I could glorify him the correct way today. I would not glorify God the way I do now if I didn't go through what I've been through, period. So now I want to get into a couple of God stories. So I get out of prison. I'm in TMRC, and I'm praying all the time because there's a lot of stuff in my life. It's still a mess. I've dug holes all these years. I'm just now filling them up, and I got a daughter that I've never seen. She's, what was she, a year old, a year and two months old? And uh, so one night, me and my Aunt Beth and my mom were going out to breakfast when I was in TMRC, and... I prayed to God that night. I said, Father, just let her see the spirit in me. Let her know who I am, period. I said that. I said, I, I love you. I just want her to know who I am. My mom and my Aunt Beth are like, no, okay. So they're getting me all prepped up. It's like I'm in, they're like, you know, like you did today. <laughs> getting me pumped up for a fight, except for this wasn't a fight. And uh, so they're like, you know, just, just don't be upset if she's, uh, she's really shy. She's bashful. She's not going to know who you are. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, well, all right, you know, because I'm getting ready. This is my daughter. Of course I want her to know who I am. We go to Farmer Boy, shout out to my Uncle Ronnie, and, <laughs> and we sit down, and this baby girl is just staring at me, just looking at me intently, and uh, we order our food. She hasn't moved very much. I'm looking at her, giving her the winks and stuff, and smiling at her, and not touching her because I don't want to freak out because of what they said. We order our food. They start giving her food. My Aunt Beth gives her a pickle. She picks up the pickle and wings it back at her. My mom gives her a piece of toast. She's dipping it and playing with it and flinging it. I cut a piece of ham, and I put a piece of ham right next to her. And she went, 
I was the only person that she ate from that day. She would not eat from my Aunt Beth or my mom. That's what God can do in your life. He can make a, a one-year-old know who you are because you asked for in prayer and you've been walking in the light of Christ. That is incredible. Also, since then, here's another God story. I got a job with an amazing guy. His name's Todd Tackett. I don't know if you know him. He owns a, for those of you who don't know, he owns a janitorial custodial service business. Is that how you say it? Anyway, it's close. And uh, I love working for him. And this is another God story. He was talking to his wife, and his wife said, hey, are you going to get that job? And he said, oh, yeah, I'll get it after Easter. I'll get it after Easter, is what he said. And the day after Easter, he got it. So that's the type of way that God will show up in your life. He'll work through other people to say things, and then it'll come, it'll come, it'll happen in your life. So I work for him now. I've been blessed in that area. I've only been out of prison for eight months. I have a job that I can live off of. My daughter knows who I am. There's a guy in this crowd that blessed me one day because he moved on the prompting of the Holy Spirit at a Bible study and gave me a car that I got at the fraction of a price. Praise the Lord for that. I have a car now. I have my license now. I'm legal. I have an apartment in Fairlawn that was answered prayer because we came into roadblocks left and right. I've only been out of prison for eight months, and I have a 27-page rap sheet, and I have an apartment that's my own, that's in my name. I get to wipe the slate clean because God has moved in my life. In TMRC, you're the man. In TMRC, I was the first person... What? That is coming up. It's on the index card, Trav. I'm going to be with you all day. Remember that. (laughs) So, anyway, it's literally the next thing. Right next to this. So, college story. I'm a chemical dependency counseling assistant now. I am legitimately a counseling assistant for drug addicts. All of my life, nothing was wasted. I get to help other addicts out of this hopeless situation that I was in, and I love them like they're, you know, I'll be introduced to addicts, they'll introduce themselves to me, and, I'll, and I, I love them. I feel like I know them already, because I do. I know what you've been through. And we can sit around, and we can tell these horror stories, and we can stick to what's happened in our past, or we can get together, and we can build each other up, and we can build a foundation on Christ, and we can move forward in life, and we can shake the world, and we can help other people come to Christ. And that's what I feel like doing, so that's what I'm going to do. So... In TMRC, I was the first person they let out because I just, to college. There's a new rule now at TMRC. You can go to college if you uh, complete the other goals that they've put in front of you. Normally, they would just let you sit in there and not do anything. But I looked at them, and I, was, and I went into this room, and I sat in the middle of a group of people. It was like a chopping block. But they did. They granted me the option to go to college while in TMRC. It was the first one. It was only two months, so it has to be something like that, but... Really? These guys need to be reintegrated in, into the public the right way, and we're going to help do that. So, also, there's a girl I've been admiring for like eight, eight months in, uh, in, in church. I, uh, <laughs> woo, I, was, I wasn't nervous till now. All right. I'm going to tell the whole story. All right, so I'm going to be quick, too, because it's getting close. So 
and I uh, respect your time. So, and I'm thankful for everybody that came out today. Seriously, this is a huge group of people. I've never talked in front of three people, so, all right. Um, so, we were at Riverside Drive, and my first day back from being in prison, I got saved to the song Oceans in Prison, by the way. It was just a song that was playing. It just touched my soul, and I just loved it so much. She can sing. It's amazing. We're going to see him. And I walk up. I walked all the way to church that day because I didn't tell any of my family that I was going to be in church because it wasn't for them. It was for me, and I wanted to be there, period, regardless of who was going to be there. I didn't know who would be there. And <clears throat> I'm walking up, and as I get to the, di- the distance enough to hear the music playing, Oceans is playing. As I'm walking up to the church at Riverside, I didn't know I was coming. That's God. That's the way God works. He will let you know. He will confirm when you're walking in his will. I was blown away. I sat outside and I weeped. So didn't know Caitlin was Todd's daughter. <laughs> Knew Todd just from the time, time back when I was there in 2016. But I was drawn to Todd because of the way he uh, shown Christ and the way he lived. And Caitlin, because of the way she worshipped and showed uh, Christ in herself. <laughs> and she's really cute. So, <laughs> so I would be in Riverside and I'd be staring at her. You know, I was just drawn to her spirit. And she'd look over and I'd look away. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting caught up doing this. So, we get here and I started looking at her. And uh, she'd catch me every once in a while and she'd wink at me. And I was like, yeah. Ooh. I was still like, I'm not going there. I said Todd's been building me up too much to uh, to address that, but she she said something about me. So look how that works out. God will put somebody in your life. God will bless you to have your jaw dropped for weeks because of the type of person that He can put in your life. Someone that literally helps you become a better person because of the way they live. That's what you need to look for. People, the seed is good. God put the seed inside you. It's the soil that you surround yourself with. When that soil is good, you bear fruit, period. So, in closing, I just want to tell you all this. Mark 9.23 says, All things are possible to those who believe. And I'm going to read something to you. Church, do not live within the context of people's opinions of you. When we doubt ourselves, we block our destinies. People have low expectations of us, but God loves you and he respects you and he believes in you. So I want to ask you a question. What would your life look like if you decided not to care what people thought of you? If you decided not, if you, what would your life look like if you decided to give up some of your fears? What would your life look like if you decided to become courageous for Christ? What if you moved on the prompting of the Holy Spirit? What if you did exactly what you feel is right in your heart on a regular basis? Don't wait, church. Follow Christ today and choose to live. Thank you very much. You know, people don't realize that when you live a life of, of disappointments to so many people, you, you want that attention, and, and you can just stay on your feet, and we'll go right in as the praise team comes. You know, Ryan has had so many stories that he wanted to share, and now he knows what it's like to be up here in front of so many people, and 
and to know what it's like to look in the face of other people and to have that accountability. Sometimes that's the hardest form is to stand before people to say, yes, I know I've done wrong. Step number one. And so I just want to thank all of you for being here to support a young man who has great potential in Christ and will move people and leave an impact on other people's lives. You are here today for a reason and at this appointed time. And I liked when he said to me, he goes, Preacher, I, I, I like it, my title to be From the Trenches to the Truth. Because I lived a life of hell, and I remember being homeless. I remember being a young man who was in a ditch of life, literally, physically. But it was until that day that I found Jesus Christ. I had to take a physical beating to get where I was going. But I'll take that physical beating again so that I could find the Christ that gives me the hope that I have. You can have the same thing. That's what we have. And if you feel like you have lost hope and where is God, where is He at in my life, He's there. He's right there. Let me share this story with you just to let you know how real God is. A father of four daughters has a criteria. Any parent that's in this room has expectations and a criteria for every one of their children. When they're little, you look at their life and you think, wow, look at them. They have this kind of potential. And when they get older, they're going to be with this kind of person. And they're going to live this kind of life. And they're going to walk in this kind of way. So Ryan and I were heading to Cleveland last week and, and Ryan you know, I said, Ryan, i got to share something with you, something that's been very heavy on my heart. And I said, I know the relationship that, that you and Caitlin are having and what is developing. But these are the concerns that I have. Listen, church, it's real. These are the concerns I have. This was your past. This is what you're going on. You have a daughter. This is what's happening. And I stayed awake for two nights stressing over it. Now, on the flip side... I call him my little mini-me because I love him, and he's like the son I've never had. That's really what I think of Ryan. I do. I, I love that guy. He's a phenomenal worker. He's a phenomenal individual. He, he's growing. That's what it's about. He's growing in Christ. He's growing in life. He's 28 years old. But I said, so, Ryan, I went to my prayer closet, and I, I got in that closet. I shut that door, and I remembered it was 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> And as I got in that closet, I said, God, I don't understand what's going on. And I never understand what's going on. But why do you do this stuff to me? And I said, I have a daughter that is the purest form of love and kindness and purity. She loves people and she loves life. And all I want is the best young man for her. And God, in his grace and in his love, here's what he said to me. And I quote, Oh, but Todd, you never came to me and said, these are the things you want for your daughters. You said, would there be a man that would just love my girls like you love me? Right then, I said, God, why do you always have to be right? 
We all have junk in our trunk. We all have a past. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing or what the journey is. I'm honored. And I've told the kids, I said, no matter where God takes you in life, no matter what it is, if it's here today and you're not in a relationship tomorrow, may these be the moments that define us who we are. And so, for me, I'm very proud of your journey. I'm proud of what you're going through. I trust you with all my heart. I trust you with my daughter. I trust you with my kids. I, I feel a sense of just a level of trust with Ryan. And I trust him with my business. If you're in this room today, and I love what Ryan said. He said, coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is a process. And the process goes like this. You take a step. You take a step. Some of the men in the front row here know that, don't you? You take a step. And as you get closer and closer and closer, you follow Christ. And God in his infinite mercy spoke to me with clothes and shoes all the way around me and said, it's okay. I have your back. I love you. Maybe he was created to be a part of our life to be a part of our world so that we could take him on that journey as well. And I'm honored and I'm blessed that he can get nervous up here. His mouth can turn to cotton. He doesn't know if he's drinking out of a bottle, if he's drinking out of a cup. We don't know what he's drinking, but it's water. I do know that. So I'm going to make this personal for you, and we're going to go right into a song called Greta, You Lord. I believe that's what it is. Okay. Do you know Jesus Christ? Is it well with your soul? You have hope in Him. If you've walked away, come back today. Man, He loves you. He stretched out His arms to give you life. He loves you. You came to this place in this sanctuary because there is life. You can lay it down at the altar of life, of victory, of hope, of healing. Because God cares for you. So let's just pray. Let's give Him our heart and our life. Father God, we love you and we just thank you that today as we come before you, that Lord, we come before you imperfect. Lord, we realize that, that for some of us, our journeys have been so different and, and we've, we've experienced so many different things in our life and it doesn't matter how they are or what we've gone through, but what matters more importantly is that we get to the place where you want us and that's at the foot of the cross. That's where we come to know who you are in a personal relationship. And so, God, as we just worship you today, Lord, and we, we just thank you that, Lord, we can look into our hearts and our own lives and understand our inadequacies, that, Lord, we have to come to you so that you can help us to be adequate. And so, God, years ago, I surrendered my daughters to you. I gave them to you to do with whatever you want. So, God, in this journey of life, Lord, they're yours. And Father, in this church, they're your people. They're your children. For some of us in this room, we've walked away. We've turned our back on you. God, help us to turn back around and take that step to follow you. Nothing else matters in this life but our security and our love and our position in you. So, God, we worship you today. We thank you today. We praise you today. We know that you're with us. 
and that you're for us. Lord, I pray for your movement right now. In the quietness of this sanctuary, do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.